Thank you, Scott. And I see that John Eason has joined us. And with that, it's 4.04. And we should begin the fabulous Superstar Designers episode of Burrows and Burbs with uh, Roberto Cabrera and myself. We're your hosts. And Lisa Benizvi, um, I guess she'll be joining us if she hasn't joined us yet. She, it was her idea to put this together. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. And the very first thing I heard, the very first thing I heard is that my, uh, that Scott Hobbs and Hobbs Inc. is working with one of our superstar designers, Denise, combining five apartments in New York into something fabulous. Talk, tell us about, tell us about this project. Um, myself, so we, it's a family. Um, this is the, actually the third home that I've done for them. Um, two years ago, we had done a, uh, this incredible lake house, which you could see behind me. Um, we combined two estates and we just created this in incredible um, fantasy world for them. And this was their primary residence and they had been living here for about eight years and it was just very discombobulated and they had bought a bunch of apartments. And my client kept saying to me, um, when are we gonna do the New York apartment? When are we gonna do the New York apartment? And I'm thinking she wanted to like change a bathroom. And I'm like, oh, forget it. Just, you know, wait, aren't you sick of me yet? We've worked on so many projects and we finally decided to do it. And um, it turned into this just incredible modernization complete you know reconfiguration of the layout open we took down walls and we opened it up and the millwork the custom millwork is um very modern yet timeless there's going to be um she loves color so there's going to be some very tasteful pops of color and um i can't wait to show i can't wait to reveal it it should be about another month and we're going to be able to do the big reveal all right that's yeah. exciting it's very right, so I want to introduce uh, some of my other superstar designers uh, in no particular order. John Barman, I see you. Hi, wave. So everybody knows who you are. There he is. John Barman was introduced to me as like, uh, well, a, a rock star of interior designers. They said he is known everywhere and works all over the world. And he is uh, among the top of the top. Uh, so I immediately Googled you and I saw that John Barman equals color. So I know two things about you. You are not afraid of color and you are a rock star among designers. What are you working on now? You're muted. You got to unmute. Go ahead. There you are. I'm unmuted. Okay. You're good. Right. right. But the question was, what am I working on now? I'm actually in, in Florida working on installation of a big boat. A big boat? Wow. Yeah. A really, really big boat? A really, really big boat. <laughs> and that's awesome. And um, what's the assignment in the really big boat? I would imagine big boats are all about teak and mahogany, but it, that's all they wanted. They wouldn't need you. Right. This boat. The owners had it before, and it was a little. It was very traditional. 
it seemed like a New York apartment. So I'm changing it around to make it more contemporary, younger, more yacht-like, more resort-like. Wow. All right. So that brings me to John Eason. And there you are, wave. And you have to unmute your, I'm going to unmute you, uh, or you can unmute you. Um, go. There we go. Is that it? About John yeah. Douglas Eason. Okay. Well, I was hoping you were going to ask me about what is new because I am sitting in the midst of what is new. My husband and I had this crazy idea that we should open a gallery in the middle of a pandemic. Actually, it was three years in the planning. And of course, when we were supposed to open in March is when everything shut down. We finally opened up in the end of August and we represent over 60 different contemporary artists from all around the world. And we just finished traveling, visiting with, making studio visits with the artists like May, March 1st. So, um, so we're proud of what we've got. Um, you know, the designers are incredible and, and we're getting some of the biggest designers in town in and through our gallery. So we're excited. And where is that? We are at 344 West 38th Street, which is nice. It has a little bit of a feeling of old New York. There's a metal shop next door to us and a coffee shop on the other side of us and a hotel across the street. So it's, you know, it's just, it's like one of those little New York side streets. We're just a stone's throw away from Port Authority. And, um, and it's been really exciting thus far. Excellent. And Anjali Pollock, wave, unmute yourself. So what I've heard about you is that Anjali is a world traveler, always traveling the world, always picking up new ideas. I'm thinking Yves Saint Laurent, 1970, right? He's getting a little bit of inspiration from Africa and he brings it back to the runway. Is that you in 2020 bringing I, back inspiration to the runway? I think so. I, I really, my, my husband and I, with our children travel, we really travel. I mean, it's the first time in my life I haven't been anywhere in so many months, but um, I think I would say that's the biggest thing for me. Travel is a huge, huge, huge inspiration. I grew up in India and I moved here. It's been 25 years, but travel is the biggest thing. So I think that for me, where you go influences so much. And then you can tie that back to different people because you see different things in them that are reflective of something you've seen somewhere else. And you can bring that back to the design that you incorporate into their homes. All right. Can you help somebody like, uh, I don't know, in Connecticut, uh, maybe New Canaan? I'm Connecticut. working in New Canaan right now. Okay. Okay. I'm so doing a project in New Canaan. It's an old, old, old client of mine. Um, and we finished with her 10 years ago. And now we're doing a refresh. I think she herself is very design oriented. So um, she has a clear vision, but we're refreshing things. It was more traditional. She's going more modern and she's a lot of fun to work with. And so, yeah, we're in New Canaan all the time. We drive out. We love the drive because it's a, it's like a vacation for me. I drive from Manhattan up the West side highway and the leaves are turning and it's, this is what we call vacation these days. So you know that the the um, the tagline, the the slogan for Connecticut is the land of steady habits. So I would imagine that in uh, conserve, you know, in places of conservative taste, mm -hmm. that it might take a little bit more coaxing uh, for your clients to really take a chance. Do any of you want to talk to me about um, 
clients taking a chance. Can we start more basic than that a little bit? Okay, okay, go ahead. In the sense of that, I have a lot of clients and like, I have an architect, I don't need a designer. Why do they need a designer and an architect? I'll take that one. Please. Um, well, I get this all the time. Currently we are, things are bananas. I'm in Westport, Weston area of Connecticut and everybody is moving from the city. Um, I'm currently working on three new construction homes and it's all the same. It's, it's exactly that question. Um, I have an architect, I have a builder. Why do I need a designer? And quite, you know, quite simply architects are not designers. You know, they can have the vision of, you know, the layouts, how the rooms are going to flow. You know, there's many technical aspects. But um, as a designer, we really personalize the home. I can't, oh, let me put it this way. I can't tell you how many homes I've gone into. Very, you know, affluent, you know, law, you know, mansions and there's no place for the sectional in the family room because the architects are just not thinking how the family is going to live in the house. They're thinking about, um, you know, their overall, their design and not really, you know, I think the best partnership is the architect, the builder, and the designer working together as a team. And that, those have been my most successful projects. You know, to add on to that, I would say that also as designers, you know, you sort of become, I think, the, the point of contact between everybody because you're looking at every little detail. Whereas I, I'm not sure everybody else looks at it the way you do because you're thinking even of the towel that's going to hang on, you know, that towel bar. And I'm not sure everybody else is as obsessed with it as you are. So you are looking at the whole picture and you also get to know the family in a different way to know how they're really going to live. You know, are these kids going to mess up this area? So where is that mess going to go away? Uh, you know, I think architects think much more high level and it's yeah. very clean. And I think we warm it up and we, as Denise said, we personalize it, but we obsess over the little details of, you know, when you walk in and you walk in with dirty shoes, well, you know what, this is going to mess up this. So what's going to happen? Where are those shoes going to go? And yeah. we think through all those details and we think about how each family lives differently. We don't assume everybody lives the same way and we tailor what we do for each person to the way they're gonna use their home. Architects um, often just think about the exterior of the house. They, they focus more on that interior designers focus more on the interiors and how people actually live in the houses. Yeah, yeah and the details, the millwork, yeah. you know, they're not thinking through that the way we would think through it. So let, let me ask you, when someone hires you, obviously they're going to hire you guys because they've seen your work and they have a certain sense of the style of how you do certain things. John's gonna be very different from Anjali and Denise, et cetera. Um, but are they getting, um, how much versatility do you have? Because you know, clients come in and they're like, something gets done and it's very nice, but it's not necessarily them or not necessarily what would it suited their personality. And it's like, you, you hear stories of the designer just came in and did whatever they wanted to do. So how do you manage I think that? The, I think the main thing and the, the best thing about working with the designer is generally I think of our job as not being about bringing me to the house. It's about bringing them out of the house. Um, I don't know that that made sense exactly, but, but what I mean is I want to have conversations with the client. I want to understand how they live, 
And believe it or not, when you're talking about a client, when you're getting to know them, when you're kind of in that honeymoon phase, um, their personalities, who they are, and what appeals to them reveals to you. And I always consider it, you know, a job well done when I know when I leave a home that it reflects who they are rather than who I am. Yes. Absolutely. Agreed. We do something before I even get started with a client. I have a new client questionnaire that I send to the client. And there are um, some very specific questions like, do you have pets? Are they allowed on the furniture? How do you envision living in this home? Who's your favorite artist? What's your favorite Starbucks drink? What's your favorite TV show? Silly, who's your favorite fashion designer? And I mean, they seem like very unrelated questions to the, uh, the design of the home, but it really is getting in their head and understanding who they are. Um, and then I go from there, but it's good. <laughs> well, sometimes we don't even understand who we are ourselves. I mean, and I guess but your questionnaire can help, but you know, I, I don't, I'm about to buy a house and um, I don't even know where to get started. And I don't really even know how to give you instruction on what it is I want. So I guess the whole prospect of hiring a designer to help me through it, I know I'm not capable of doing it myself, but I also don't know uh, uh, the questions I need to ask to hire a designer or the instructions I need to give to help you be effective. So well, that's the first, go ahead. That's the first step in the design process is working with the client to develop the concept of what it is they want and help them figure out what it is. Yeah. Everything is tailored for the client, but sometimes you have to work with them to, to find out what direction it really is that they want to go in, what's correct for the house, what's correct for the family, correct for the time. How often are you guys brought in at the time of purchase? I, for me, very, very often, almost always. Me too. Almost That's always. Nice. Okay, so, so I have a... I know where you're going. <laughs> I have a moderate grievance. Yeah. Because I've had innumerable, I've had a few good experiences with designers. However, I have a, I have a client looking at a property. Uh, for example, there was one where the client was looking at a property it was $13 million. Designer, they, um, they asked, asked for a designer. We brought two different designers in. And in one scenario, one of the designers said that the, it would cost $4 million, yes. which took this completely off the table. And whereas the other person that they didn't like that designer, not that the designer wasn't top notch, they just didn't like the style of who that person was. Mm -hmm. And they were a little less than 2 million and they could have gotten into this house. But the whole, it was, it's kind of like that situation where you, you have a couple, they love the apartment, but, but the mother-in-law has got to come see it and the mother-in-law right. ruins the deal. And yeah. as, much, as much as I want to do what is in the best interest of my client, because I think that they, this apartment would have suited them tremendously, but that experience killed that deal. We sold them something else, but That's so yeah. how- I can imagine, you probably yeah. want to kill them both. Well, I'm hesitant to bring in anybody. But I think the thing is that there also has to be a rapport between the broker and the designer, because if you're doing me the favor of bringing me in, I can't shoot you in the foot by doing that. Now, even if I think also, Every client is different. Some people have the stomach for that and some people absolutely do not. So what is the overarching theme of what the client wants? I think it's good to have a conversation between the broker and the designer because ultimately you're a team. 
and you don't let your teammate down, you know, especially, I mean, as designers, we tell every single person who works for us, right? Subcontractors, whoever they may be, please talk to me, please talk to me, please don't go because you will, you know, you will send the client off a different panic path where there's no need to panic because we know what to do and it's going to get fixed. Yeah. So please talk to us. It's, I would say the same thing. I just think it's a conversation between the broker and the designer because you're a team. And I do think that if we could all be teams more, I think we could all be more effective together because I we need each other. In, the, in this think particular that, scenario, the expensive designer was their contact. I so still think- showed up with that person. Oh, they well, showed up. really don't stand, that's- that's just, yeah. that was unfortunate. Yeah, I it think that happens for a reason. They did buy another home. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Right? You never know. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm often brought in, I have relationships with brokers mm -hmm. and if they're trying to close a deal and the client can't imagine yes. what the house would look like, I'm often, I, I work with Rob Johnson in Greenwich. I have a, a number of different brokers that call me and I'll come in, not, not the initial, but if they're really ready it to is. close the deal and they'll bring me in and I'll give them my vision. I'm a new voice. I'm a woman. I'm talking to the wife and I'm getting to know them. And I'm like, you know, how many kids do you have? And oh, I see the kids doing this. And, you know, that is really making them, they, they almost need that push by a different person. So, I mean, like, you know, like she said, if you have a relationship with that broker, then that's going to, you know, be much more helpful than the situation you were in. That's yeah. really the key word that both of you used is a relationship. And it's really about a relationship with the designer, the real estate broker, the contractor, the architect. Yes. Yes. It's about yeah. everybody speaking a common language. Yes. And when you can, you know, it's nice to, if you're working, have a designer that you're working with to bring them in early, like you had mentioned, but to also have a conversation have an understanding because sometimes, you know, if I have, if I know what a property looks like and I have an idea of what the budget is, you know, there are ways to make things happen. But when you're there exactly. kind of cold Turkey without exactly. any idea and no idea of, you know, how squeamish the client may or may not be. And that's what the real thing about the real gel point is about having the relationships is when you have the relationships, when you know each other, you can ask questions. You, it's kind of like, you know, you, you lead each other. I'm gonna get back to the relationship, but John, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, you're on a roll. No, but it's, it's about a relationship. Uh, other situations, do any of you, um, we all want the big ticket item, right? But there are certain situations, like I have a client and he says, look, can you help my daughter find an, an apartment? You know, she wants to rent an apartment for, $3,500 with a roommate somewhere, you know, do you service that person such that I can sell their apartment down the road? Or they, my relationship with them was such that I'm selling them a seven or $8 million apartment, you know, a year from now, two years from now. Yes. Um, in uh, this scenario, for example, we have a lot of situations where we need staging. Yes. And I know a lot of designers, like I don't do staging. I don't do staging. And I've had more than a handful of situations where I've contacted designers who will not do staging. I've brought in a stager who built a relationship with the client and, and eventually did big projects afterwards because they had invested in that relationship. 
Do you guys do that at all? I just think staging is a completely different business than what we do. You know, um, stagers typically have everything in inventory where they rent furniture. You know, that's not what we do. We're really, what we do is it's much more personal service than staging. So, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but you can't be, I find you can't be everything to everybody. Sure. No, I just want I, to understand. No, I think the main problem is what Denise mentioned is I would like to do it. Like so many times I think, but I don't have the resources to put it together that quickly, right? I don't have these relationships to rent all the things that I want, even if I did it simply, right? You don't have that is those established people that you can just pull on uh, to put this yeah. in and put it together quickly. The problem is your expertise is not in that area. And sometimes it's not because you don't want to do it. It's because you're hesitant to do something that you don't know what you're getting into because that's not a market that you've ever really tackled before. Yeah. Totally get it. You're, you're, you're describing that they're just totally separate. They're different. They're, it's a different track. Got Completely it. Completely different. They are totally. A plumber and electrician. Yeah, I think so. You're I not going to have your plumber. Fair. Totally fair. Great. I love like, it. It's not going to, yeah. So I want to know, uh, when I see what you're, what, what you, uh, I don't know why my light keeps blinking out, but, uh, uh, when I see the product in the magazine, I think that what you're offering is a product and yet you talk about the relationship and you talk about a process. So I'd like to get into a little bit of product versus process, a little bit of understanding that. Um, do you, uh, is this a, a journey that you take over six months or a year or 18 months? I know that Scott Hobbs, when he's working on one of these houses, like you're working on with Scott, Right, you're working on a five uh, on combining five apartments into one in the city and designing around those. That's got to be an 18 month pro pro process. Longer, longer. No, actually, it would have been less than a year. I mean, they were amazing. Yes, that was incredible. They connected us. I did not want an architect who was going to come in and tell me what to do and what I want an architect who knew the codes, yeah. who knew just who could technically get me through it. We sat, worked with the architect. We did the layout. He got the permits. Hobbs got the pricing. It could have been a project, right? It's got less than a year. Soup to nuts, except we had the plague. And other than that, it would have been yeah, we're you quick. come in uh, up front and identify, you know, the, 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 the mission and then say, OK, we're going to do something in high color over here, some low color over here. And then and then you have to execute it over, I would imagine, the next year or two where you have to find the pieces and uh, and and, and the vision evolves over time. Yes. Not really. No, you know it right up front. <laughs> um, well, it, it is a process, but it doesn't evolve. I mean, there is a, you know, there's a process where you have the getting to know you meeting with the client, which is a questionnaire, and then spending some time with them. And then we can, through that meeting, we, I'm able to go back with my team and create a comprehensive design presentation of their entire apartment or their entire home. And then they come to our studio and on our six foot by 12 foot design table, their entire home is laid out and we build their home room by room by room. It's about a four or five hour meeting. And at the end of that meeting, we're about 85 to 90% done with their design plan. And from there, we send them visuals. There's a little back and forth. Then we send them a budget by item by room. They sign off on it. 
you know, payment is exchanged and then we go. So it's really, that process is about two months. And, you know, at the same time, we're getting the estimates from the builders and, you know, working on that part. And then while we're doing our part, making the furniture, buying the furniture, ordering the rugs, you know, Scott and his team are doing their thing, you know, getting the apartment deconstructed and remade. I find it doesn't, it does evolve over time. You can get the concept and have the design plan done. But as we find different items, sometimes the uh, client okay. evolves and they find they like different things and their budget changes and they've had more interests. So over a long-term project, things do evolve. I, I feel very much, I, I feel that for me, the process is very organic. So I will start the okay. way he starts, but I feel Hi. So organic. And I, I have fun. Lisa here. Oh, great. Where's Lisa? Raise your hand. Say something, Lisa. Where are you, Lisa? Okay, well, no. um, go on. Um, so for me, it's uh, very organic. And sometimes as I spend more time in the space, something that I thought at the beginning was gonna be perfect, I spend more time in the space and I say to a client, guess what? I have a fully new idea. Can we discuss it? And then we can decide which way we're gonna go. And sometimes we stay with the old, but sometimes we totally move. and. So, you know, I do think, I think the process, and I think you get to know them much better as, and I'm always in the apartment. I'm always in, at the job sites plenty of times. So I think it evolves a lot for me as you go along. Oh, there. Oh, I see her on <laughs> your phone. John, you're muted. John, you're muted. Yeah. All right, so, I, so I'm going to ask a hard question. I'll ask it of John, unless either Denise or Anjali want to answer it. But I want to ask about the value of great design. And I asked this question earlier, and Lisa said that was her favorite question, which is, um, let's talk about the amateurs. I suspect, yeah, <laughs> right. I suspect that a lot of us try and save money and do it ourselves copying the work of great designers. We'll look at the layouts that we see you're doing in the magazines. So, and we'll just try and do it ourselves. It separates the very best in the business from the amateurs. And why, you know, what is the value of hiring a professional instead of just doing it yourself? When amateurs do it, they tend to be- Hey guys, I've got Lisa here. She got booted out. Okay, we see you. When, when amateurs do it, they tend to be safer, more generic. A professional will help the client push their envelope to, to stay within their comfort zone, but get a look that's more, more interesting, more, more, more what they want, more, fit, more design forward, something that'll last longer and have much more of an exciting concept. And it's all about scale. It's all I was about, about to say. furniture fitting yeah. the space. Um, yep. The furniture fitting through the door. How about that one? Absolutely. I, you yeah. know, it's all about you hire a professional for the exactly. whole vision to come together. You know, I always tell people if they want to do it on their own, good luck. Go ahead. It's, yeah. it's all yours, baby. <laughs> it's well, that's what I find. I, I'm like, um, fine. If you ever want to do all this paperwork and you want to keep track of where everything yep. is and who's responsible for what, and if that button got added or didn't get added, or yep. you know, if your pillows are hyperallergenic, yeah. it's a lot right. of detail. It right. is a lot of detail. It's like a good waitress. You learn it over the course of time. Yep. 
and and then you can do things zip zam zoom, but it, it it takes a lot of experience. But you're not just a master of the details. Come on, you we got to talk about the ultimately it's a better design. You're not just well, making yeah. sure that the no core. absolutely absolutely of course. But there's a lot. But you know what happens? This is Lisa. What I hear and you tell me, I feel like they do it themselves and then they want to call you back after they said no and they want you to come make it better. And it's like, don't go cheap and then call after and say you made a mistake. Then you have to do double the work. Okay. Yeah. Like being the second or third broker on a deal, John. Yeah, or well, you walk into their house and it looks like a restoration hardware catalog. Yeah, totally. That's my favorite. And I'm like, oh. Totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't understand well, and- the quality on their own. They don't understand. And very importantly, what Denise said, I feel they don't understand scale and they don't yeah. understand that, you know, things can't just have, they have to fit in a room together. You don't just look at each individual piece and then they don't think about height and the play of different heights, you know, and how yeah. it makes it interesting because visually you, you have to create negative space. And I don't think people think of those things, you know? Or what's happening in the next right. room. Well, not exactly. just about the room. It's what the about the ceiling? Our house. What about the room. ceiling? You know? It's yeah, all the outdoors. Right. You know, what are they putting outside of their family room that completely contradicts what's going on in, you know, oh, I'll, I'll buy the outdoor furniture myself. I've heard that one before. And they... And it's also disparate elements, right? I like this, I like that, I like that, but it's not a cohesive design thought process. Yeah. So it's disparate elements that they want to do. And even if they have good taste, they they also just don't have the resources that we have, right? Yeah. The re- I mean, we're constantly looking at this. We dream about it, right? So we're always yeah. thinking about it. Right. You know? Honestly, honestly well, you had me at creating the negative space. If you told me I had to start creating negative space, I'd be like, oh, I clearly need to hire a professional. No idea how to create negative space. <laughs> more. Like I love to, I have great taste, but I'm a horrible cook. So it's like the same thing. Me too. <laughs> well, and you know, there I over the course of the years, I've seen a lot of really fabulously talented, talented people. You know, people that lived in the homes, people, designers that have come and gone. And if you can't get all of the elements together, it's a balancing act. The talent, the, the back end, the knowing how to talk to a client, how to get out of them, who they are and, and what their needs are. And, the, the, you know, it's just, it's not just about talent. It is, um, it is about all the above. What's it worth? I want to hear, think of a, a good anecdote, each of you, because I recently was asked. I recently priced a house and Zillow said it was worth three million bucks. And the guy said, well, I put in a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, more than that. And I think Zillow is wrong. He put it on for four and a half million dollars and he got it. And I guess my point is with this story is this house was drop dead gorgeous. And I don't think it was a particular piece of furniture or a particular painting on the wall. The whole thing just worked. Everything fit together. And you could tell that it had been done by a professional. And so when I say, what's it worth? To me, the design there was worth a million and a half dollars more than 
Zillow yeah. priced the wood, the glass and, yeah. and the floors and the, you know, yeah. and, and the fixtures. So what's it worth? Do you have any good examples where they failed to see it or they did see it and they got it, they got it right and they got paid? Come on, John Barman, you work for some of these fabulous clients who sell their apartments for stratospheric right. prices. Right, I had to take credit for that. No, I had an ap apartment on the, uh, the at the San Remo in Central Park West. It went to, when the New York Times had the highest price of the week. It was one of the highest prices of the week's apartment. It went for twenty six million. This was because everything was put together. We put two apartments together, and everything was perfect, and it looked great, and the people bought it and moved in as it was, and they appreciated having it all done and done right. That's a really big deal. Someone moving into an apartment that is done, like really done and not doing anything to it. Exactly. Because most of the time, most of the time when you come to clients of that type of price range, they want things personalized anyway. Yes. And that's, that's a problem we come, I come into with yes. clients as well. They come yeah. into a space and yeah. they say, this is absolutely gorgeous and it is so well done. However, yes. it's not me. Yep. So I have to now start to calculate how do I neutralize this and then do what I need to do on top of the price. So out of curiosity, you may have some clients that really want things overdone. How do you manage that if their time frame is, you know, they're planning on being in a place for two, three, four years. They're going to have to resell something. If they over-personalize it, they're going to have an issue. I tell them to over-personalize it with furniture, things that can easily be accessories switched out. Um, I have a client right now, we're building a, a new home for them. And in the pool house, on the shower, they want to spell out in tile, don't pee in the pool. And which is awesome. I'm like, yes, you know, yes, thank you. You know, that's what, that's why we do this. You know, yes. we want it, you know, we don't do this to be, you know, this uptight designer who's foo, foo, foo. We do this because we want it. Don't pee in the pool. That's my yes. dream. Yes. So, so the wife turned to the husband and said, well, what if we go and we resell the house? I'm like, when are you reselling this house? In 10 years, we'll pop out the white tile and put the black tile in. Well, that's worth it. <laughs> that's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, come on. <laughs> I also think it depends on whose house you're designing, right? If it's a young family who might move, you know, it depends. Where are you in your life? Are you really going to move? And what is your comfort level? And what is your, you know, what is the budget that you have? Some people are just insensitive, right? They want what they want and you give them what they want and they don't really care because when they sell it, they don't really care what, they, you know, they know what they're doing and they're fine with it. If they lose, you know, they're fine. If they, So they're fine. Exactly. But it's you have to take stuff with it. If yeah. it's a young family, I always say to them, listen, you know, keep your bathrooms simple. Keep your kitchen classic because that will sell always. And then, like Denise said, personalize the furniture, the accessories, do things like that, you know, and, mm. and that will make it exactly what you want it to be. But you'll be able to sell it, you know, appliances, kitchen. Those are the things that yeah. they work. Do, your, do the budgets, are the budgets different? I mean, I know for Scott, it would be very different because the level of complexity of construction in the city is over yeah. the top. Yes. But is there a difference in, for example, you're doing, you know, let's just, if there's any way to compare an apple and an orange, you know, something in Connecticut as opposed to something on, you know, Park Avenue. 
completely different for me completely even the vendors that you deal with you know in i don't have to get the same insurance i mean everybody will agree the amount of paperwork we have to submit oh insurances yeah. you know buildings make you jump through hoops so you know somewhere the contractor has to make up for all of that whereas you know i don't have to do that and i can say to somebody hey come at 7.30 in the morning and they can get into a house if I need to work longer hours and I can't do that in Manhattan. Nine o'clock. Take an appointment for the elevator, right? Exactly, exactly. So Uh, the price is very different. So can you hear me? Yes. Let me put you up. Lisa wants to ask a question. Can you hear us? Yes. So can you hear me or now? Yeah. My question is what, so it's, if you, Roberto and John and all the agents are working on working with a client, right? And they they're, they came back four times and they're not sure, whatever. Don't you think it's beneficial to bring one of the designers to your last meeting and show them what's possible to close the sale? Maybe. We have to have a conversation. Like Anjali said, I have to talk to the people before they walk in that door. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be on the same page. But the problem, the difficulty is when the client brings their own person because you don't have any relationship. You can't yes. monitor that conversation. You know. Right. Yeah. You know, the only do a lot of your clients, do they ask for the apartment to be staged? Well, we talked about staging is a very different thing. I mean, we design, you know, for ourselves. We stage for others. We stage to be safe. And when we asked, I think, uh, John Barman, what the difference was between staging and designing, he says, I try and get my clients out of their comfort zone. I try and allow them to push the edges. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do you get your clients to push the edges? I guess color is one way to do that. You have a, are there other ways? I mean, color is the most obvious. Often the design layout is something that has to be changed. The design layout, Go tell me more about that. Well, in a, in a generic room, people put a sofa and two chairs, but often there are other ways to lay out a room to make it more functional, make it more exciting, make it more livable. And the client may not understand it at first, but if you explain it to them and you can do a mock-up of the layout and show them how they live in the room if the layout was, was more interesting and unexpected. So you Oftentimes said, it works better for people. Is that we are sometimes constrained by our notions of, I have to have a front foyer and it has to function like a front foyer. It has to look like a front foyer. And I have to have a dining room that looks like a dining room, acts like a dining room. And yet you're saying we could throw a lot of those preconceived notions on their ear and we can mix things up. Right. I did a, in a house, I did a dining room, but I put a big bank head in, made the table longer, pushed it out of the way. There was a hallway they could walk through. It functioned better than a table with eight or 10 chairs around it. But it took the client a, a bit to understand the concept of a banquette and having to get behind it and how it would actually be warmer and more inviting and, and better in the long run. And they love it now. I would imagine in New York where space is every square foot is so dear that you have a different set of challenges than maybe you have out in the suburbs and on a boat that you're working on now, um, you have, it takes it to a whole nother level of every foot counts. Yes? Well, it depends on the size of the boat and the size of the apartment. Right. (laughs) True. Even with a big apartment, there's no wasted space. 
No, I don't John know. probably has clients where yeah. he has to tell them they need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> Built-ins, that's the word. That's the one word I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about that, built-ins. I mean, it's, uh, I, I will say it takes you out of the realm of being just an artist who paints pretty pictures. And when you use the word built-in, it conjures up a whole nother category of you're going to help your clients live more efficiently yes. you know, in these spaces. Absolutely, yep. Is that your job? 100%. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I think you have a business, Denise, called uh, Playrooms. It's Smart D2 Playrooms. Yes, that's another, it's my sister company. Um, I have a partner, Carrie Bowen Poole, who is a um, teacher. And she started a company, Smart Playrooms, 10 years ago. And what she does and what we do together is we do mostly um, residential buildings, commercial playrooms and residential buildings and very, very high-end play spaces. And we go in and especially now during COVID, even before COVID, but people are spending much more time in their homes or in the buildings. It's, it's, a two, it's really two things. One thing is the um, residential buildings because everybody is leaving New York and drove that um, they need, a, that how do we rent these apartments? How do we sell these apartments? So the playroom is becoming just as important, an important amenity as the gym is. And all of these millennials and young families, they're looking at these apartments and they're not, they're not going for it unless the playroom is up to snuff. And we, you know, we've really, we're, I mean, we're, we have a waiting list a mile long to do these play spaces because um, A, there's nobody else doing this. I mean, we have found, we've worked with art and we've, here's a perfect example. We, um, there's a building in Manhattan, 30 Furman Street, it's in Brooklyn. And it was a two year old building and it was a brand new, gorgeous playroom. And they had us come in and re rip out the entire playroom and redo it because the architect had designed the playroom and none of the kids were playing in there and they were slamming their fingers in the built-ins and um, it just wasn't working. And we came in and completely redesigned it. And I mean, you should hear what the people in the building are saying, they're over the moon. I love that. Well, as as a realtor, I'll tell you, you know, boring, you know, realtor, I get asked the question, should I put money into this house? Will I get it back out? Right. We get we all get that question. And as a realtor, I give often the safe answer. I look at house and house has already done a survey on this. And they say you get your you get paid back. Um, the return on investment comes first in the kitchen. And then in the bathrooms, yeah. and uh, and they used to say, and there's not really much of a return on investment putting in a pool. COVID has turned a lot of those assumptions on their ear, yep. like swimming pools, and I guess like playrooms. Yep. What else? John, uh, John Eason, John Barman, a Angeli, uh, what others besides the playrooms, you know, are getting to be important and return on investment for, for us realtors? To, to think about really, really upgrading all the electrical, all the wiring that goes into her house, because now everybody is moving in that direction, right? So everything is motorized, everything works off an iPad. You have to think that through and you have to be up to snuff with all the new technology because 
Wait, you're a designer. You worry about all that stuff too? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Go on. So smart home, good investment, wiring. Porches are huge. The new builds that I'm doing now, we added on outdoor fireplaces, heaters in the ceiling. It becomes more of a three season room, retractable screens. Um, You know, adding, it's really like an extension of the indoors. Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I want all that stuff. I want all that fun stuff. Fire pits and porches. Come, it's amazing. (laughs) Media rooms are very important now that people are home more. A big screen TV, a projection TV. They don't have to be that expensive, but a room with a very large screen. Something people really love now. Yep. Treehouses. Treehouses. I've done a few of those. Zip lines, outdoor playhouses. You know, really, because the kids aren't leaving, what do you do? You know, how do you extend the indoors out? I I love the most outrageous. What is the most outrageous amenity that you've work like that someone has just said i need to have this and you kind of your kind of head spun and you're just like okay and it's, it just stands out as the tree house right i put in a two hundred thousand dollar tree house um about a year and a half ago and not only was it the treehouse we combined um two properties together so it became this estate and we did a zip line going from the guest house down to the treehouse down to the main house down to the dock where the lake was i mean it was like unbelievable did it have central air conditioning no (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean it had electricity it had it was, it was crazy it was great i mean so did you design the interior of that too i did i did very nice <laughs> oh do you want me to let you go dear oh okay Go ahead, John. Tell us about some of the fun projects. Tree houses? Are you high? Are we? Is it just about hiding the TV, or are we got? You know, are we getting more creative? Which John? Either one. Oh, okay. Um, I think the most outrageous thing I ever did for a client in the way of an amenity is uh, they had new twin daughters, and we did a renovation on the house. And when we did that, the client insisted that we go up into the eaves of the space above the girls' room, which basically made it a two and a half floor bedroom. And she wanted a play area up there. She wanted something in that area. And I'm like, really? Because that's a long fall. And I, and we thought about it, we thought of it. And finally one day I was looking and I was like, it's a playhouse, it's a playhouse. So we did a little gingerbread playhouse up in the eaves of this girl's bedroom with a little ladder that they could climb up. And um, so, so that was fun. But I'm finding more and more with clients, what we're really needing in every home are play, and it's what you're describing. It places to travel, places to go, because we can't all just sit in the same room. And, you know, we, we need different places to, to relax and for relaxing in different ways. You know, the wine rooms are also very important right now. Does that does that mean you're compartmentalizing certain spaces a little bit? Like for example, here in the city, if you if you have a, a, a pre-war building and you have 
uh, a small kitchen because no one used to go into the kitchen. The staff went into the kitchen. So you have a small kitchen, two maids room. People completely blow that out and they open up everything. Oh, and yeah. now with everybody home, it's like, can you go in a different room? Can you go here? Are you guys compartmentalizing things differently now? In Definitely trying spaces. to divide up spaces. People need home yeah. offices. The, ch the children yeah. are home. The TV's on. Somebody's vacuuming. Yes. Trying as much as possible to divide the spaces up, bringing it back to sort of the way you're right, like the way it sort of was before. So that's a change from now. I'm doing a, a lot of garage conversions. Behind me is a garage that we converted into, it was a three car garage in Greenwich and we converted it into a play space. We did a rock climbing wall. We did uh, monkey bars, storage, swings, arts and crafts area. So people are really, and now they get the kids out of the house. They're in this amazing space and that's their space. So they kind of just like, relocated the kids, which I thought was good. <laughs> That's great. So I'm going to come back to the, these, the, the economic questions. I like the economic questions. I want to know what's it worth? What's it cost? Um, I want to know how, because a lot of us are, are on this call are realtors and we're maybe not your ultimate client, but maybe we should be introducing you to our client and we have to understand what it is uh, how you work and what it costs and what's it and, and what's it worth because we're the influencers. So um, I do want to come back to that. Um, a lot of my clients, if I suggested the four of you uh, to them, they would say, "Are you kidding me? That guy's in Architectural Digest. You know, she just won all, all these awards. I can't afford her. You know, I, I you know, I, it'll be fine. We'll just paint all the walls white." And uh, I'll just order right out of the catalog, uh, restoration hardware, and you know it'll be fine. It'll be fine because I can't afford what they do. So talk to me about how to how to understand um, how to sell what you do because I think a lot of my clients really could benefit, and some of those three million dollar houses could be four and a half if they would just meet you and take the chance. So talk to me about you know what's it cost and what's it worth. Anyway. It's really a lifestyle question, how people want to, want, to, want to live. And if you go to buy a car, they know where they're going and what car they're buying. If they're buying a Volkswagen, that's one thing. But if they're buying a high-quality car, they may, want to, they may want the house to be luxurious and be exciting and be, and, be, and, be, and be fun. And in the long range, they may make more money on it. It doesn't have to cost necessarily more. They may make less mistakes. The designer can help them with high and low. They can set a budget. It doesn't, the price doesn't have to be a mystery. Everything can be put on a spreadsheet. That's important. That is really important. The price doesn't have to be mystery. It's knowable and it's knowable yeah. right up front, right? Yeah. So I don't have to go down, what did somebody say, a rabbit hole earlier? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Okay, that's important. So there's a discipline to this process. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. important. I put everything on the spreadsheet. I'm, we're business people. I consider all of us business person oh. more so than a designer. Okay. Um, and I think that um, that's really why people work with me a lot. Isn't 
yes, they like my designs, but it's more that I'm going to get them to the finish line and stay on budget, stay on the timeline. And, you know, I'm very, our, we're very transparent with yep. costing. And, you know, the first thing I do after I speak with a client, I send them more information and I send them my client list. And I say, before we even meet or we have one more conversation, you have to call at least two of the people on this list if you're interested in hiring me and ask them anything. Cause it's, you know, otherwise we're wasting each other's time. And I say, ask him anything, ask him if I'm annoying, ask him if I'm on budget and, and they, and they do it. And it's great. And most, most of the time I hear back from them. <laughs> so talk to me about getting them out of their comfort zone, because uh, I'm going to tell you that if I look in the, uh, the parking lot, I see a lot of white cars, black cars, gray cars. It's not a crowd that likes to. Sometimes uh, one more thing before you say that. Just say one more thing to, to finish the, the previous conversation. Okay. I think that both real estate agents and designers, right? Um, in a certain way, for somebody who's never worked with either of us before, are very undervalued. Okay. Uh, yes. If yeah. you've never worked with a real estate agent, you think, why should I pay this, you know, this person? And I'm going to just go and, you know, go on the New York Times and go on this and go on that and do my own work. But what they don't understand is the access that you have, right? How much you've seen. And therefore, by dint of that, how much, even if they can't see anything else, it's the access. How much you've seen before, how much knowledge you can bring by just looking at a property and see things in terms of damage or some crawl space that they have no idea about because they've never done it, okay? So there's so many little things that you can bring to them. And I think that's the same thing we bring, right? They are looking at it for what it is and we are looking at it for what it can be. So when you bring a designer in, they can maximize what your house can be. On your own, you can get it there and it'll be pretty, but we can make it beyond that. We can make it, you know, and I think for, for both of us, I think, in, you know, whether it's Lisa, whether it's you, whether it's Roberto, that's what we're all in the business of doing. You know, that's, that's the business we're in. We're, we're taking it to the next level. And we bring so much experience to that. And, you know, we've worked very hard. Lisa, there you are. Now I see you. Lisa. Uh, how are you, Anne? So, so what I heard was we're business people. Yes. We put it on a spreadsheet. Um, we we have fantastic access that you don't have. Um, we're going to make your house more efficient. We're going to understand, seek to understand your life and your tastes and make your space match your taste in your life. And we're going to try and take it beyond. And one other thing, are the level of service we're providing these clients. I, I mean, who's going to sit there and order? Sometimes I have 1,200 different SKUs that I'm buying for a house. Who's going to sit there and buy that and track it and accept it and unpack it and inspect it? And I mean, usually- Think about the cabinet knob. Think about how many cabinet knobs yep. you have in your house. And they're all different. And, we and what size off. knobs and what finish and does it, yeah, I mean. I see Scott Hobbs nodding in the corner <laughs> and I could just see, I could just see him thinking about all those knobs because he's building this house and you are doing such a great service for Scott Hobbs. Scott Hobbs, thank them, thank I'll them. I'll vouch that interior design is so incredibly important 
And it's one of our worst nightmares when someone says, I'll do it myself. Oh, God, I know. Architecture and design is a practice. And the fact that these people here, I mean, you guys have done hundreds of homes. You've seen this stuff. You've tried combinations. You know what works. You know what works better. You continue to perfect your craft. Whereas when someone's doing it for the first time, again, you're almost lucky if you get restoration hardware. Yeah. You feel yep. a lot worse than that. Yep. Yep. Painful. I have a, I have, I, I, I hate to talk about clients because if they're on the call, they might actually know who they are. But I have a client with a beautiful, beautiful drop dead, 200 year old, gorgeous antique. And they made a couple of decisions on their own that have made it completely unsaleable. I mean, taking a million dollars worth of value by just making a couple of, of wrong choices that have caused all the buyers of this beautifully presented on the outside antique to go inside and, and, uh, and be distracted and be distracted. And so I get, I get not only that you can take it beyond, but you can prevent somebody from making a horrible mistake that actually takes on an objective, objectively speaking, removes value from that house. And we're talking about, there's no furniture in it, but they've made certain choices with the floors and walls and trim that are taking a million dollars off the table. And it, and it breaks my heart. But they saved $25,000 by, you know, doing it themselves. So there you go. <laughs> well, they had a catalog open and they picked, you know, and they were given four choices and they said, this is pretty. And then they said, and then, and they picked it. Not really with an understanding of, you know, as you've seen a thousand installations, you know, yeah. between you. Um, John, that's not as bad as the owner who's built the cabinets or whatever. And they're just like, I built them myself. Don't you love them? <laughs> like, oh, well, this is such great fun. And really? I think I've learned a lot already. I mean, I, th I came into the conversation thinking of you as artists and really a lot of the time you are presented in the magazines, right? That's how most of us consume what you do in the magazines, in the brochures, on the website. And that is a photograph of a pretty, you know, of a room. It's not a room, it's a photograph of a room and is represented, and it's just supposed to be pretty and it's supposed to be dramatic. Um, and yet, so I learned that you guys are all about efficiency, efficiency experts and, and spreadsheets yeah, we also don't see us cleaning the floors and wiping down the corners and you know before everything is moved in we're all like in our sweatpants like working over there we work okay. we really i don't work. believe you it is without it. doubt a lot of blood sweat and tears it is uh, it's a labor of love it is john Eason, do you even own sweatpants john barman do you even own a pair of sweatpants come no. on oh no <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I have some that go with my bow ties. That's, that's as far as I <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, does anybody have a parting words? Uh, certainly Lisa must have some parting words, but I just want to thank my four guests. You guys were great. Everything I, I had agree. hoped for and more. Great. Thank you. I want thank, to you thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you for Can I just say I'm, so I'm so grateful to Lisa, of course, for making the introduction, but Roberto and John, it means so much to all of us. You know, it's a, it's, you know, uh, we're collaborative fields and it's so nice. It's so nice of you guys to do this. Oh, thank you for being here. It really here. was. Thank you guys. Really? It's actually been a lot of fun. Some of these yeah. things aren't so much fun. 
Thanks. Oh, and by the way, I forgot a small detail. Our gallery is called Culture Object. I'm coming, John, nice. next week. Oh, I hope so. Me I too. Totally so. We have to do lunch and you have to come to the gallery. You know, and just to say one thing, because Lisa wasn't part of this panel, she is just the best connector. She is such a, a person with such a warm, generous spirit. And I think if we could all bring more of that, I think we could all be more successful. I agree. When you share, it's better for everybody. I agree. Absolutely. We're all in this together. You know, I find, you know, a lot of designers yeah. aren't, you know, very forthcoming with each other. And I just found this was so great to be amongst all of you, such talent. I'm honored and to be so forthcoming. I think that's important. And Roberto, that designer who screwed you, you know what? Those are the exact kind of people we all need to stay away from. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. Because that's not the way you do things. They're never going to hear from me again. No, but it's just not the and way you do exactly things. And that's exactly it. There you go. What? You never know down the line. You and you just don't do that. You don't walk into somebody else's house and shoot them in the foot. You know, you brought, you know, you were there first. You have to respect that. So. I agree. All right, so do you want to finish up with all, we'll go around your best idea for the next six months. We got a very tough six months where everybody's going to get locked down into their houses and they're going to be staring at the walls and they're going to be thinking about hiring a designer. Have you got one or two words for, for us as we go into lockdown uh, for the next six months? Any, any of you? And we'll end with that. I have a simple, simple thought, right? I think, forget if you don't want to redo your whole house. I think a designer come, could come in and reimagine what you've got. Just rearrange it. Move things around. Take your accessories and arrange them. So I think for all of us right now, that's a different area to think about, right? Just come in so you don't have your the fees that you, you know, the fee structure you had, but maybe a different way, an hourly structure, whatever it may be, I don't know. But just go in and repurpose what they've got because sometimes there's great stuff there, but now it's become cluttered and it just needs to be reimagined a little bit, so. Good idea. My advice is to stock up on the alcohol and build a playroom because let me tell you, you'll get, you'll drink and then you'll be using the playroom. And it's a, play a room with a bar, ready, right? <laughs> A playroom with a bar? What? No, you don't that? put the bar in the playroom. You drink first and then you go. I mean, I have adults using the foam pit. You know, when the kids go to bed, they go to the foam pit. I'm telling you, it's that's my advice. <laughs> Every house needs a bar. Okay, John, was, go ahead. Every okay, house I was just going to say. Yeah, and I'm barman, yeah, I so I always put thing, a bar in. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, for me, I think the thing is, and it comes back to home, but it's family, family, family. You know, I have found that in the last nine months, what I really want to do is pull the people I love closer to me. And, and that happens at home. And, you know, although we can't all travel to everybody's homes and what have you, you know, I probably have six friends that we get together now, you know, once every couple of weeks, we all feel safe together. And, you know, at my home, I have my husband, my dog and I, and, and, you know, and we're just, it helps you to chill out and to get through. Yep. Yep, exactly. I just bought a hot tub. I'm, I would have never thought I'd ever get a hot tub. So. You are really all about fun, aren't you? Playrooms, bars, hot hey, tubs. Don't water. pee in the pool. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. That's brilliant. I don't take it too seriously. <laughs> well, this was great. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I hope you'll join Thank us. Thank you, John. Thank you, Roberto.
Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Next Thursday. Thank you, Lisa. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye. 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 Bye.